Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. Glad to have you here. We are a Bible-based church out of Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and help them become devoted followers of Jesus. As we begin to wrap up this series, The Truth About Lies, we're going to continue to explore the power of the lies that we believe. With this month being the focus on mental health, we're going to discover where lies come from, why we believe them, and how we find fulfillment that Satan lies promised, but they never deliver. With that, let's start with Pastor Nate with part four of our Truth About Lies series. Series and this message series isn't about the lies we tell. Okay, um, we all have probably told a lie at some point in our lives, and uh, we do understand that when we lie, there's there's an advantage. There's inherently an advantage to lying. You can get out of trouble by telling a lie. You can twist the truth to gain some advantage, um, financial or otherwise. And so we can tell lies to get what we want. The problem with that is, is that when we lie. It destroys trust, it destroys relationship, and ultimately any advantage we gained by telling a lie, when that lie becomes apparent, uh, we pay a really high price for it. So we ought to speak the truth, even if it will cost us something in the short term. This series, as I've been saying each week, is not about the lies we tell, it's about the lies that we believe. And the problem with the lies we believe is that we don't know we're believing a lie. We think we're embracing something that's true and living it out, and it turns out to be false, and we still pay a price. Let me give you an example. Let's say you believe the lie that um, life is about accumulating money and stuff. Like that if you had more stuff, bigger house, nicer car, more savings in the bank, that you would finally have peace and satisfaction and meaning and significance. And you believe that. And so you spend 50 years of your life living out that lie only to discover at the end when you look back to go, oh man, I have all this stuff, but I destroyed relationships. I've lost opportunities. I didn't do the things that God called me. So you look back and you, with regret... And go, man, I believed a lie, and I lived out a lie, and it's, and it's cost me something. And, and this is true in our lives, that when we live things that are not true, uh, it will ultimately cost us in the end. So in this series, we've sort of been examining the lies that we believe and the different sources of those lies. Uh, one of the, uh, in the New Testament, we have these three sources of lies that are sort of uh, spelled out for us. So they're sometimes called the unholy trinity. And we have the world. We talked about this last Sunday. The world is the system, the ideology, the pressure that comes to us from culture around us. And as I said last week, not everything in our culture is bad. So there's some aspects of Canadian culture that are really good. And there are aspects of Canadian culture that are actually opposed to what God says and are not good. And we have to do uh, the work to assess what is coming to us from culture, what is expected of us. And at times, we're going to have to take a stand, as we learned last week. We're going to have to take a stand and say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord, and I'm not going to cross this line. So the world is pulling us like a current in a direction, and we have to decide what we're going to do with that. Secondly, we have our flesh. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Our sarks. That's the Greek word for flesh. And our flesh, inside of our physical bodies, are strong desires. Things like lust, greed, selfishness. These things exist in every single one of us, and we have to do battle. We have to battle. We have to starve our sarks and feed our soul, as we learned. The, the last one here is the devil, and we talked a little bit about him in the first week. Fallen angel, opposed to God and everything God wants to do, and seeking to kill and steal and destroy in your life, seeking to, to pull apart everything that God is trying to do in your life, in your home, in our... So he's just at work. So we've got these three enemies of our soul. Now, 
Uh, before we continue, I want to just let you know what we're going to be talking about today. Today, as we wrap up, I want to address the theme of mental health. And as I do so, I want to address some of the myths, some of the lies about mental health that we've been sort of fed and, and embrace some truth about how we can move forward. Uh, when I was a kid, there wasn't a lot of talk about mental health. We just didn't talk about it, right? It was like, if you had an issue and we couldn't figure out what it was and it wasn't physical and it wasn't apparent, we just kind of went, just sweep it under the rug. You, you know, just deal with it, right? When I was a kid, bullying was a thing, but there were no programs. Nobody talked about it. There was no buddy bench. They have this thing. It's called buddy bench. You go and sit there and somebody will come and talk to you. Like, it was none of that. It was like, you just had to deal with everything, which I'm not suggesting is good, like the good old days. I'm saying, like, when I was a kid, nobody talked about it. And, uh, but the, we did talk about physical health. Like, we learned first aid principles. If I cut my hand open, my mom would take that peroxide stuff and pour it on there. And, ah, and we'd all foam up. And she would say, this is good for you. It's getting the dirt out. And then we're going to wipe it and wrap it. And then you're going to, you know, then you're going to keep it dry and it's going to heal. And we all understand infection and healing times. And we just get all that stuff, right? We understood that. But nobody talked when I was a kid about what to do when you've experienced abuse or someone has harmed you or you've experienced suffering or feelings of anxiety, depression. It just really wasn't talked about much. Am I the only one who experienced this? Okay. Some of the folks in the room who are over 30 are like, yeah, I kind of remember that too. Um, I remember one time I went to, uh, my dad and I went to visit somebody and he was inside talking to them about Jesus or something. I, it was boring to me at the, at the time. So I was a little kid. So I went outside the backyard and I found a tree and I started climbing the tree in their yard. And I got higher and higher and the view was great. And next thing you know, I'm climbing up the tree and my head hits a bee's nest. It was really soft and squishy. I'm like, what is that? And then the bees started coming out and I knew exactly what I had run into. So I start climbing down the tree as fast as I possibly could, as you might imagine. And I just, all I remember is grabbing a branch and it was like a dead one. And it just went, snap. And I just remember falling. And then I woke up on the ground. I don't know how long I was out for. And I, I ran inside the house. And I said, Dad, I fell. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, Dad, I fell. My arms hurt. Oh, my back hurts. I'm so, oh. And he's like, okay, just let me. So he finished his conversation. Then we walked home, crossed the town. And I got home and I told my mom, like, my arms hurt. My back hurts. I fell out of a tree. She's like, okay, well, you sleep it off. They put me to bed. <laughs> Cried all night. And then the next morning... I was still complaining, and so they said, fine, we're going to take you to the hospital. So they took me to the hospital, they x-rayed my arms, both of them were broken, okay? <laughs> That's old school parenting right there. Uh, and so, of course, you all know what happened, right? The x-ray, you literally, I remember seeing it, like, oh no, they're broken. And so they put casts on both arms. Uh, this was like the first week of summer, too, by the way. So for all the kids are like, oh, that's... Dang. So no swimming, no nothing, no sports, no any of the things that I love. So that was... Uh, summer was a write-off. Um, but we all understand. The process was that, you know, they had to put a cast on my arms to hold the bones in place so that over time, six to eight weeks, whatever it was, those bones would heal so that I could go ahead and continue to use my arms. We all understand physical first aid, but very few people are trained in emotional first aid or how to care for their souls. And the often people will continue to struggle with in, like internal infections from damage that was done decades ago and never addressed. So I think it's a really important subject. And I'm, I'm glad that in the last 10 years there's been more and more awareness. And, of course, this past week was, was Mental Health Week and uh, Bell Let's Talk and all these things. And all, and all of these things are helpful because they remind us, they remind us that, that, 
that we're complex. They remind us that there are things going on inside of us that need to be addressed. So today, as we continue to talk about the lies and we enter into this conversation on mental health, I want to spend a few moments talking about our favorite subject. Here it is. It's you. Okay? Uh, now, you're wondering, how does this represent you? Well, let me, let me explain. Um, this is something that, whenever I've, I've spoken on this subject, I often call this the jawbreaker. Because it looks like a job. When I was a kid, we had these candies, these giant candies called jawbreakers. And as you would suck on them, there were different layers of color. And, you know, it would change color. It was really, you had to take it out of your mouth and handle it with your dirty hands to, to really appreciate the purple and the pink. And then you put it back in there and, <laughs> yeah, that's why none of us have allergies. Anyways, uh, I don't know. We eat this, and then when you get to the center, there was this soft, delicious, gummy center at the at the end of the whole at the end of the whole thing. And so we would suck it. So, so we got all these layers. And the reason why I represent you in these layers is because you are more than just one thing. Okay, I want you to. Okay, you really have to participate. This is helpful. I need you to turn to somebody right now and just say, "I'm complicated." Okay, can you do that? <laughs> all right. Now, now I want you to turn to your second choice. Uh, the other person that's near you and just say, I'm complicated. Come on. All right. The, the truth of the matter is, um, we are not simple. We are complicated creatures. There are so many layers to who we are, to our experiences, to our personality, our past, in every aspect of our... One of the lies of our culture right now, by the way, especially for you young folks, you, you, this is just sort of the way you're being taught, but one of the lies is this, that, um, that you can be reduced to one thing. That's just not true. Let me, let me give an example. You are the color of your skin. No, you're not. You're way more than that. You are your cultural background. You are your sexual orientation. Like that's what, like one thing, really? One thing? No, we're complicated. There's so many more layers to who we are. You are your political view. Like liberal, conservative. There's really, there's nothing in between. Just everybody's in oppressor, oppressed. Like they're teaching this stuff in school. Like people are in one group or the other. It's crazy because we're complicated you and I are complicated. There's many, many layers to us, and it's not quite so simple. Uh, I love what uh, Paul writes in Thessalonians. Here's what he says. He writes to the church, and he's encouraging them at the end of his letter, and he says something really powerful. He says, now may the God of peace, that's who God is. He's a God of peace. May he himself sanctify, and this word sanctify means to set apart, means to, to cleanse, to purify, to make holy, and he says he wants to sanctify you completely, not partially, completely. And may your whole spirit, did you know that you have a spirit? You do. And not just your spirit, but and your soul. Did you know you have a soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, that's your soul. Your soul and your body, your physical body, your senses, all of it be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. So God has a plan to purify, sanctify, and work in every aspect of who you are. He wants to work through your gifts. He wants to work through your personality. He wants to work through your spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Do you know, one of the things I've noticed, uh, we'll just, yeah, we'll throw up that little image of my jawbreaker, and then I've labeled the little parts. So we'll throw that up here on the screen and take a look at it. Here's you. And then here's spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, eternal. You'll live forever. 
You have a soul and you live inside of a physical body. Paul calls it our tent, our temporary dwelling. Okay, so we have a spirit, soul, and a body. And here's the crazy thing. God wants to sanctify every part of you. And this is really important. We cannot live our lives compartmentalized. I even made it rhyme for effect. You cannot live our lives compartmentalized. Here's the thing. What we want to do as humans is, again, we want to simplify everything. So we try to compartmentalize our lives into boxes. So I have my faith box. If I had a little shoe box here, I'd open up my... And faith is Sunday morning. Go to church. Sing some songs. Hear a sermon. Close the faith box. Put it away. Go to work. Open up the work box. Go home. Open up the family box. Go to my online banking. Open up the financial box. Right? Looking... Oh, here. There's a dusty box down here. It's my marriage. Okay? <laughs> I hope not. So well, we have we have boxes and we have boxes for everything. I got the box for my mental health. I got the box for my physical health. And we separate our life into all these compartments. Like I'm working on this and then I'm working on that. But here's the thing. We cannot live our lives compartmentalized. That Jesus actually teaches that every part of your life is interconnected. That the spirit, soul, body, they're all deeply connected and impacted one by the other. And that's what we're going we're gonna to see today. So Jesus says things like this. We, we would say... Um, well, I've got my money box and I've got my faith box. And Jesus says, actually, no, they're connected. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart and your money are connected, right? We say, well, you know what? Well, pastor, you know, I just, I just look at a little bit of pornography. I, don't t- I look, I don't touch. And it's not really hurting anybody. It's not affecting my life. But Jesus says, actually, what you look at affects your life. He, in fact, he says, if your eye causes you to stumble... Plug it out. Why? Because what you look at impacts your thoughts, impacts your heart, impacts your life. So what we do matters. The music we listen to, the people we hang, every teenager ever. Well, mom, they're good friends. They're good people. It's not a big deal. I'm not doing with it. But when we surround ourselves with people, those people shape our thoughts and our actions in the future. We are impacted. And so we have to think about all of this holistically uh, when we come to these these sort of um, things. Now, I've got, uh, I've got this image here. Now, here's you. And we're just going to kind of walk through. Now, we've been talking about these three. We've been talking about these three enemies, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And so here we have the world. This includes peer pressure. We said that last week. Just because everybody's doing something doesn't make it right. <laughs> right? Just because everyone in our culture agrees doesn't mean that God agrees. So there's that pressure. We have friends, the people we hang around with. They will impact us for good or evil. We have the culture at large, like a current pulling us in a direction, and then ideologies of every single kind, okay? Again, our world, we'd love, our world would love to reduce everything to one thing. Can I rant for just a second? It amazes me that we live on a planet that is so complex. The ecosystems, the waterways, everything. And apparently, some really smart people have figured out that the only thing that we really have to track and take care of is carbon. Not dumping garbage in the oceans or toxins. or It's just all one thing. Which, again, I'm all for taking care of the planet. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with carbon. What I'm saying is we can't reduce everything. So our culture would like to reduce it. We'll throw my graphic back up here. So everything's coming at us. Okay? Then the next thing we have is we have our body. So I think there's one here, our body. There it is. Our sarks, I labeled it for you. 
Okay, so then we've got these strong desires in our body for what we want, when we want, when we want it. And it's just like driving, 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 driving. Then we got Satan. And we'll draw Satan here with some dashed lines. Where is he? There he is. So you got the devil and his lies are coming at us. So you can kind of see everything is just kind of, we're in like this pressure cooker where these three sources of lies are coming at us, coming at us. But there's good news. And the good news is this, that when you and I surrender our lives to God, when we invite Christ and His Spirit to come live within us, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of our hearts and it produces something, the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to point some little arrows here. Where are they? There we go. Magic. So, we gotta, so what happens is, what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit inside of us is, is pushing us towards love and generosity while our sarks, our body is going, no, no, keep it for myself. Do what I want. Our spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of us is saying, no, 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 forgive. And we're going, no, I want to punch them in the teeth, right? So we got these two voices, these two pressures going and the Spirit of God is working in this direction and all these forces are working in this direction. And guess what? Guess what's in the middle? See this green area? That's your mind. And your mind, by the way, is the battlefield. It's the battleground. That's where the war is happening. Your heart, the Spirit of God inside of you, is working to produce what God wants, truth, light, love. And everything else is trying to crush and push that in. And the place where the battleground is happening is in the mind, which is why I think it's important for us as a church to talk about this, this battleground of the mind. It's important for us not to neglect uh, the care of our souls. And so I want to talk a little bit about this today, and I'll do that by talking first about some mental health myths, okay? Now, first of all, I am not a mental health professional. We have lots of them in this church, okay? And they can correct me afterwards on some of the things I say because, okay, I'm speaking based on what I've experienced and what I have uh, learned about and read about and, and, and all of that stuff. But mental health myths, uh, here's, a, here's a few of them. Number one, Christians shouldn't struggle with their mental health. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. Uh, when I was a kid growing up in church, I don't know if anyone actually said this, but it played out all the time. If somebody was like, you know, I'm struggling with depression, it's like, well, join the prayer line and then let's not talk about it again. Because we, we just were uncomfortable. We don't, we don't know the answers. We don't know the causes, right? We, and we want to simplify it to one thing, but it often, as you're going to see today, is not one thing. It's complex. And so we're just like, okay, let's not touch it. I, I remember years ago, reading through the Bible through the lens of mental health and discovering that all kinds of great people of faith in the Scripture struggled in various ways, right? And, and I remember reading for the first time and seeing Elijah the prophet, right? He's standing up to the prophets of Baal and he's calling down fire from heaven and then he goes off and he's like experiencing like loneliness and, and, and grief and, and he's just like struggling. Like he wants to die. And it's like, what in the world? So it's, it's not like... People of faith don't struggle. People do. You read about David, like half of the Psalms are basically him, you know, just dealing with his anxiety. It's just full. The Bible is full of stories of people like you and I who had real faith in God, but who struggled in various ways. And so we just need to just knock that myth right over that people who love Jesus can't struggle with their mental health. Of course they can. And, and, and be reminded, too, that, that, being, that being saved, having the Holy Spirit live in you doesn't mean that your life is perfect. It doesn't mean that every issue you've ever had is suddenly gone. Like, I gave my life to Jesus, lost 40 pounds, I have abs instantly, right? Or I have this amazing relationship with God, and I walk with Him, and my, my body is, is sick. Like, that's possible, and we, we understand that. And the same is true, that you can struggle with your mental health in spite of having a relationship with God, in spite of being saved. 
One of the things I had to learn, um, we'll go to the next slide. One of the things I had to learn early on is that not every issue, let me go to the next one for me, not every issue can be addressed with a sermon. And, you know, it's hard for me even to say that because I think my job's important. And I like to think that the Bible speaks to just about everything we experience in life and has truth for us that goes beneath, you know, the root cause of everything. I believe that, but, but I also know that every issue can't be addressed with a sermon. Practical example. It's January. It's minus 20. Your car breaks down on the side of the highway. You don't need a pastor. You need a mechanic. You need Dave's towing. That's what you need, right? You need a different kind of help, right? Or, or let's say uh, you're experiencing chest pain and your heart is racing. You probably don't need a pastor. I will gladly pray for you, but you're going to need a physician. You're going to need a doctor, someone who knows what's going on in your body, who can treat that. That's not my area of expertise. If, if, you, um, if you are being audited, don't, don't call me. I, I, don't, I don't think I can help. You need an accountant. You need someone to look over your books because you should have been paying your taxes. Um, not every issue can be addressed with a sermon. So, which, I mean, this is, this is common sense, right? I'm not surprising anybody with what I'm saying. But sometimes we forget that there's help available in different forms. Uh, so Christians shouldn't struggle with their mental health. That's the first one. Second one, uh, this is actually one that I've seen in many, many different ways. Asking for help is a sign of weakness, right? Like, it's, it's so funny. I, every time I'm on a job site with a guy, you know, it's like uh, something will happen, right? They'll be walking, whop, hit their head off a two-by-four, probably concussed. And it's like, you okay? Oh, yeah, fine, 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 fine. Just a little dust. Then you find them 30 minutes later sitting in a corner holding their head. It's like, no, no. Why is it that we have such a hard time asking for help? Why is it that when someone asks you how you're doing, it's like, I'm fine, but you're really not, and you don't? Because we honestly must believe this lie that it's asking for help is a sign of weakness, and we don't want to be weak. We don't want to be the person who has to be propped up or wheeled around. One time I was on a plane, and I got sick, and they had to wheel me off in a wheelchair. It was so embarrassing. (sighs) My pride was just screaming. It's so hard to ask for help sometimes because we feel like it's a sign of weakness. Here's here's the third myth. Um, Every issue can be simplified to a single cause. Remember I I, I talked about simplicity, how we want to make everything one thing? It's so easy for us to think that there's just one cause and one solution. And most of us have a family member or a friend who can diagnose and treat you in 20 seconds. You're like, oh, man, I've been having these awful thoughts. I think I have anxiety and depression. They're like, I know what you need. Like, really? Like, yes, vegan diet. <laughs> the problem is the red meat. You need to eat just vegetables. Like, I, I used to be depressed, and then I started eating vegetables, and I, everything's great, and it will work for you. It's like, yeah, I don't think it's quite that simple. You don't like the carnivore diet, whatever. It's like, oh, I know the thing that you need to do. And, and again, what people do is, that in a, so in church, it sounds more like this. It's like, I'm struggling, and I'm just like having this terrible time, and I don't know where to turn. It's like, all you need is prayer. We're going to have a deliverance ministry, and we're going to pray and cast that spirit of fear out of you, and you're never going to be afraid again. Really? It's that simple. Yeah. We're all for deliverance ministry. But we, we always want to make the solution a one simple thing, and it's never quite that simple, right? All you need is this one pill, and this pill will fix all your problems. Like, no, medicine helps, pills have their place, but it won't fix everything because I'm guessing the problem is multifaceted, right? You guys with me? You just need better friends. If your friend tells you that, you need new friends, right? Because they're the problem. You need new friends. Um... You need to meet my therapist. 
We have amazing therapists in our church. We, you know, definitely, definitely encourage people to pursue counseling and, and various other types of treatment. But like, it's never just one thing. It's usually multifaceted. You guys, guys hear what I'm saying? Okay, so let me, let me talk then about four aspects of mental health. Okay, so as we think about this, uh, mental health isn't just one thing because your brain is connected to your body. It's connected to your heart. Everything's all interconnected. And so there are multiple facets to mental health. The first one should be obvious, physical. Nobody thinks about this because you can't see your brain. It's inside your skull, but it's actually a part of your body. So your brain can get sick just like your heart can get sick. Your brain can not be working right, just like your kidneys cannot be working. Like, so your brain is a physical organ, which is affected by physical things. So like not getting enough sleep will affect your thought life. And you're like, I'm such a bad person. I'm such a bad person. It's like, you haven't slept in a week. Your brain is a part of your body and it must be cared for. Nutrition, sleep, uh, maybe your, your hormone levels are out of whack. Some of that you can control. A lot of it you can't. And so you're like, I just don't know why I'm such a... It's like all of this stuff, it's physical, which is why we need doctors, we need science to help us, because sometimes something can be adjusted or fixed in our bodies that will help us to move forward. Do you know that small changes to, to chemicals and hormones in your brain can totally affect? That's why people slip a little drug into their body and they're totally like gone. Why? Because those chemical reactions impact your brain and how it works. Uh, I've had uh, multiple family members who have suffered with dementia. Okay? Maybe some of you have experienced this or caring for those. Who do. And you have this person who has been like, their whole life has been like the most sweet and encouraging person. And now as their, their physical brain begins to deteriorate with this disease, they start being angry and aggressive and saying hurtful things. And you, you begin to wonder as a caregiver, is that really who they are? But it's not. It's their chemistry. And the chemistry of their brain is not their character, which is why, which is why as we're caring for people and when people around us are struggling or we're struggling, we can't read into everything. We have to have grace. Is this making sense? Because chemistry can change really quickly. So we've got um, the physical side of uh, our mental health, which, by the way, is why hospitals and all of these things, medicine, are so helpful when we're struggling. Uh, number two we have is psychological. Now, when we're talking about psychological, this aspect of our mental health, we're actually talking about the way we think, our values and beliefs. And how many of you know that the way you think has a huge impact on your life? In fact, your brain is like a whole, like, it's like a, like a, a mess of wires on all these interconnections. And, the, and we talked about this during our habit series last year. Like, when you think a thought, it forms like a physical electrical kind of connection through your brain. And the more you think the thought, the wider and the easier it is for that connection to happen. And so you basically build highways through your brain. Your body pairs thoughts together and, and, and you get like systems and patterns and it all gets formed into your brain physically. And so what happens is sometimes the problem that we have, or the problem that we're facing, is that we have thoughts that are wrong and we've wired our brain to think that way. Well, dad always did it. And that's what I do. When I get mad, I start swinging. It's like, that's a pattern. And you can't always pray and get rid of a pattern that's been established for 30 years. It takes work. And you go to therapy and they go, oh, well, why do you think that way? You're like, I have no idea. And they're like, well, let's think of it a different way. Let's begin to form new pathways. You're now going to behave. When you feel this, you're going to behave in a new way. And it feels weird. But eventually you can retrain, reshape your brain. In fact, uh, Paul talks about this in Romans. He says this in Romans 12. Don't be conformed or shaped by this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind. When we identify a lie that we're thinking and we go, that's not true, and we set aside and we open up God's word and we begin to replace it with truth, we are slowly rewiring and reshaping the patterns of our thinking. We're changing the way our mind works. And by the way, just because the Holy Spirit lives in you doesn't mean that all that work is done. In fact, the Holy Spirit is at work in us and we have to then renew our minds and be transformed so that our thinking starts to line up with what our heart is saying, what the Spirit is saying. And then we got to get our bodies to actually do what our brains are telling them to do. So there's this process where what God is trying to do in us begins to work itself out in all the other parts of our life. That, by the way, is called sanctification. That's a big word, but it means that God is at work in every area of our life and what he's doing. So by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So we need to rewire our brain. If you're in your eighth marriage, it could be a pattern in your brain that's wrong. You've had 15 jobs in six months. Maybe it's not the boss. Maybe there's a pattern problem, right? If all your friends keep leaving you and nobody sticks around, there's probably some dysfunction in your thinking. And here's the problem. A pill won't fix that. A scripture verse or a prayer line won't fix it. You have to do the work to renew your mind. You have to change your wiring, and it has to be done, and it takes effort. So we've got the physical, the psychological, and then thirdly, we have the social. This, <laughs> I don't think people realize, even professionals in the industry, I haven't asked them, but I'm guessing that how much the social piece is connected to our mental well-being. We discovered this a little bit during COVID, didn't we? When you pull people away from their family and friends and you can only connect digitally, it impacted a lot of people in a very negative way. Why? Because we are meant to be with people. We all need a hug every once in a while. There's something powerful about looking in the eyes of somebody who cares about you and, and feeling their embrace. And all of us need people who love us and care for us. We also need people to challenge us. Like if, we're, if, if all of your relationships affirm you and nobody ever challenges you or corrects you, you just get weird. We need the people we get mad. Like, I can't believe they told me that thing I needed to hear. And then six months later, you're like, I need that person in my life. They're good. They're a good person. Like, I, I need iron sharpening iron. You start quoting verses. You're so excited about it, right? So we need people in our lives. We need social connection. I heard one, one preacher talking about this uh, in the last few weeks, and he was talking about how teenagers especially. So when you are uh, adolescent, so teenager through to young adult, like the social connections you have are so important. 60-year-old people, are like, I got my three friends, I'm good, just leave me alone. But teenagers, they're like, I, I gotta, I, how do these people feel about me? Where do I fit? What's, you know, what's my place in the group? Like, there's really, social is really, really important part of their development. And this preacher was saying that, like, as a parent, you need to make sure your teenagers have multiple circles of community. Here's why. If all they have is their school friends, and that, really, and that group gets toxic, they're isolated and alone. But if they have youth group friends, and if they have family grandparents and other people they can talk to. And they have all these circles interconnecting. When one of them goes toxic, they can turn to another and get the support they need. So multiple circles. And it's not just teenagers. We all need multiple circles of connection. We need people in our lives. It's so, so important. And it often gets overlooked, right? It's like, well, you know, just get some sleep and your mental health will be fine. Well, we need social connectivity. Here's the last one. I saved it for last, but it is no, by no means the least. The spiritual. We have to do some work. Uh, to feed our spirit. And one of the ways we do this is by coming to church. We started by singing. And you're like, why do we sing every week? <laughs> because 
The point of worship is that we turn our attention from ourselves, from our problems, to a God who loves us, who is good, who has given us good promises. And we turn our focus to him and off of ourselves, and that's healthy. And not only is it healthy, it, it feeds our spirit when we worship. We open up the scriptures, and we read what he has said to us, and we meditate on his word day and night, and we keep putting it in, putting it in, reshaping. We're not only reshaping our mind, but we're feeding our spirit. And our spirit is like working so hard to combat all of the lies. Uh, that's why we, we get into community. You get into small groups. That's a circle of people who are exploring and, and, and growing in their faith together with you to encourage and help you. And so all of these things we do uh, to strengthen our spirits and to move in that direction. We meditate on God's word. We worship. We get into Christian community. And so um, one of the things I've noticed is that um, as we pursue um, healthy mental states, it's, it's multifaceted. It's our bodies. It's our thinking. It's our social communities. It's our spiritual practices. All of this stuff contributes to our health. And in order for us to be healthy, we have to move in those directions. Now, mind you, mental health is, is one of those things that can exist in so many different ways. For some people, it's a temporary thing and you work through it. For others, it's something that's permanent. You struggle with it for years or your whole life. But what I want you to understand today is that regardless of what the situation is, God wants to work in and through it. And he's not just interested in your spirit. He's interested in your mind. He's interested in your body. He's interested in your social connections. God wants to work through every aspect of your life. And what we want to do is compartmentalize. Went to church, heard a good sermon on mental health. Isn't that nice? God's like, no, no, I want to work through every aspect of your life. When you go home and interact with your family, when you go to work, I want to touch all of it. And for some of you listening today, you're like, hey, I'm doing great. Statistically, about 30 or 40% of the people listening to me today are not doing great. And one of the best things we can do is to ask for help. First from God, but then this is the really hard one. It's always easy to ask God for help. Hard to ask someone else for help. We need to ask for help. Um, I got this great quote from Craig Groeschel. It says, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Being able to say, hey, I'm, I'm not okay and I need help. One, one of my hopes and one of my goals uh, for us as a church is that we, this church, Pathway Church, would be a, a safe place to be like, I'm not doing well. That when someone says I'm not doing well, that we would be the kind of people who would just listen and be present, not trying to find a solution I know, vegan diet. We don't want to be like that. To support, to encourage, and to approach health in every aspect in a multifaceted way. Spirit, soul, body, in every way. I, I want to read our text one last time together, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace. One thing I can assure you is if your mental health isn't good, peace is the one thing that you won't have. You'll have chaos, with anxiety, and it will affect your body. There have been times in my life, there have been a few. One of them, when we were starting the church, um, I kept going to the doctor. I had like ulcer stuff, and, and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with my system. And the doctor was testing it. He's like, we don't know what the problem is. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it sounded like my wife, Jessica, because it was her, actually. She's like, It's stress. You're trying to do too much, and you're trying to carry too much, and you're trying to build, the, and it's like, no, 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 no. There's something. It's my diet. 
It's like, it's stress. And it was. <laughs> she was right. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. No matter where you find yourself, what you need to understand, God loves you and he wants to work in your life, not just at the spiritual level, but he wants to transform your mind. He wants to heal your body. He wants to bring peace and hope and love into every aspect of your life. He cares about every part of your life. So the question is, what's your next step? What do you need to do? Um, Today, um, as a church, we want to um, have a multifaceted approach to this. So I'll tell you some of the things we do as a church, and then I'm going to pray uh, with you and for you and give you an opportunity to respond if you need to. Uh, as a church, we believe that one of the primary ways that we can move towards mental health is by reading the scriptures and renewing our minds. So we do that. We worship. But we also believe that community is important. It's why we encourage everyone to be in a group. We actually encourage people to volunteer, not because... Well, we need your help, but not just because we need your help, but because when you're serving, you're serving in teams with people and just rubbing shoulders with people is part of the process. We want to be a church where prayer is provided, where we can bring our needs and our cares and cast them before the Lord together in prayer. But we also want to take practical steps. So if you, if you're here, one of the things we did during uh, COVID, we actually partnered with an organization called Shalem Mental Health. And what it is, it's a network of Christian counselors and therapists and uh, one of the things we noticed, like for the last 10 years or whatever, we've had money set aside in our budget so that if somebody in our church is struggling and we're like, hey, this is out of our realm of expertise, we have money to help people get therapy, counseling, to start that process to find help because we want you to find help. And so we had them, but nobody ever used it because it's hard to ask for help. So we partner with Shayla Mental Health. So what happens is if you're part of this church and it's your home, you can go to our website, pathwaylife.com slash mental health, and there's information links to Shalem and you can actually go and get help and our church well you guys who give actually help foot the bill for other people to get started on their journey towards wellness and we're able to do that and it, it lowers the barrier for access for people to get there so again I want to thank you for giving and helping us to do that but I also want you to know that those resources are available and so as a church we want to do everything in our power because we believe God works through medical doctors. He works through therapists. He works through small groups. He works through parents. All the teenagers said amen. (laughs) He works through parents, friends. He works through all these means, spirit, soul, and body, transforming, strengthening us for health. So I want to pray uh, for you, and then I'll dismiss the service. And if you're here today and you just need prayer, someone to talk to, uh, I'll remain at the front, and maybe Jess can and a few others. Any elders are here. We can just be around if you need to pray. We'd love to do that with you. Father, thank you for every person that's listening to the sound of my voice. As we wrap up this series, God, we just want to acknowledge that you are the source of truth, that you are God who loves us, and that we live in a world that is just pressing on us in every direction, the world, the flesh, the devil, all of these uh, forces at work. But there's a force greater than them all, and it's your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And God, we pray that in the days and weeks ahead, you would strengthen us by your spirit in our inner man, that we'd have eyes to see how big, how great, how vast you are. Lord, that we would receive strength and the peace that we need from you. And God, that you would help us to... um, ask for help where necessary to lean on those around us. Help us, Lord, to be a church 
that both supports and strengthens those around us in every way possible. Thank you that you're a God who who wants to work in our spirit, soul, body, in every facet, and we surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it from us. Thank you so much for tuning in. For any more information you need, feel free to reach out to us on any of our socials at Pathway Church PTBO. That's it. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.